Good morning. Are you going to be up here for the announcement, Paula? You're good. All right. Welcome, worship. Glad you're all here with us this day. And uh, good to have you together in the house of the Lord. If you take out your bulletins, a few announcements as we get started. Uh, on the back is a place if you're a guest, the blue side. Just fill that out, put in the offering plate as it goes by. And anything you might need to know about Mechanicsville Baptist, we'd be glad to follow up with you on that. The other side is a place for prayers. As always, fill out some prayer requests, put them in the offering plate as it goes by, and we'll pray for you as we do on Tuesdays. If you turn to the back of your bulletins, we have opportunities for the week. And uh, today we do have uh, our encounter service here at 5 o'clock. RAs, GAs, choirs, mission friends all meet, uh, as long as adult choir and uh, ensemble. And youth, we are going to the concert, but we will be gathering together about 5.45 in the parking lot to go to that, and then handbells at 7. Monday is basketball. Thursday is volleyball. Come on out between 7 and 9. Bring some friends and join us for those times. Uh, also wanted to make mention on Tuesday, the women on mission meet at 10.30 in the morning. Uh, Sandra, anything specific about that? Please come, 1030. What room do you meet in? John Bryant room? Very good. That's all right on there. So come on out, 1030 this Tuesday. And then Tuesday night is the Virginia Disaster Response Mission Trip Volunteers Share Service, I guess you'd call it. So everybody's welcome to come, even if you didn't go on those trips. But uh, they're going to share about all their disaster relief trips and uh, have a wonderful, wonderful time of sharing about that. So you're welcome to come out. And afterwards, you can, you know, hang out and tell more stories so that'll be a good time um any other announcements as far as those go tim i think we're okay all right uh in the back we have a table set up for our connect groups our connect groups start up this next uh six to eight weeks sessions our fourth one this year and it's been a real blessing we've had a lot of uh people who've facilitated these studies they're video-based studies and they meet in the education wing each wednesday night very relaxed uh, interactive type of format, and the flyers are back there on the table, along with books and sign-up sheets and information about the three studies for this next six weeks. So I'm going to show you three of the promotional videos, uh, and then uh, pray about it, uh, come back to the table after the service, look through the material, and then if you'd like to be in one of them, come Wednesday night after the fellowship meal, and then be a part of it. And then Paula, after the videos, can you come up and share your heart from uh, how God's been working in connect groups. All right, so go ahead. Are we ready for that? Thanks. So there's been a pretty good response to the book Crazy Love, but one of my concerns is that sometimes we'll, we'll read a book like that and get this idea like, okay, yeah, I'm going to live for Jesus and forget everyone else. No one else is doing it. And and I, I tend to have this tendency where I just go, okay, I'm just going to do this by myself. I'm going to follow Jesus. But if you read the Bible, you see that God really doesn't want us to live that way. He really wants us to live with other people and to live in community with other people. And that's the whole point of this DVD curriculum. It's this idea of let's get some believers together in groups where we just commit to live this out and care for one another the way the Bible calls us to. And another thing that we're notorious for as Christians is 
will have these experiences at Christian meetings or in churches or at conferences and, and we'll get so close to God but then Monday comes or, or the real world comes and so what we did was we shot this in the context of an ordinary day. Like how do I take my ordinary average day and make it something that's supernatural where I'm madly in love with God and thinking about Him all day long. And, and my prayer is that through this curriculum, there'll be groups of believers that get together everywhere and just commit together and say, you know what, we're gonna live this way. We're gonna do this together. How do you live out the gospel in life between Sunday morning and Saturday night? How do you live out the gospel in life between the world that is and the world to come? And how do you live out the gospel in life between mission and discipleship, evangelism and justice, cultural engagement and distinctive practices, between your Christian community and the community around you? Week one opens the course with the theme of the city. Week eight closes the course with the theme of the eternal city. In between, we will look at how the gospel changes our hearts, brings us into community, and is lived out in the world. Gospel-shaped people are enabled to form deep community. And yet, only in deep community can we become gospel-shaped people. And if I gave you a test, on justification by grace alone, through faith alone, uh, through the uh, substitutionary work of Christ alone, you'd probably get 100% on that test. But that does not mean your heart believes it. Justice, then, is just love in action. It's bringing shalom. And justice is something, the Bible says, we owe our neighbor. And if you really want to change, and if you want to really pound the gospel more deeply into your heart. Jesus Christ must become your overmastering positive passion. So I don't know any women who don't want friends, but I know lots of women who aren't sure how to make friends, or once they have friends, how to have those friendships be lasting, or how to deal with past hurts from friendships. I seriously contemplated making a sign out and sticking it in my front yard saying, desperate woman seeks friends. <laughs> so this Bible study, We Saved You a Seat, is seven practical ways to find and keep lasting friendships. Because I think sometimes we think friendship needs to be like this thing we achieve or attain, but really it mostly involves opening the door. Like I need words of affirmation, like desperately. I am a needy person. I'm just gonna put that in there. <laughs>
just wanted to let you know. Thank you. This, right, it's really where God wants us right. to relate to mm -hmm. one another. Right. And I have had that. Friends that I feel like in some desperate times in my life have been those people that have torn the roof off for me. So we hope you'll grab a friend, come in your comfy clothes, bring your coffee or your tea, pull up a chair, and join us. According to dictionary.com, it means to join, link, or fasten together, unite, or bind, to establish communication between, to relate to, or be in harmony with another person. Have you ever played the game Connect Four? Picture that game in your mind. It's like just a overzealous tic-tac-toe game. Instead of connecting three X's or three O's, you connect four chips. And your strategy is to connect them vertically, horizontally, or diagonally. Um, God's connect game for us is discipleship and learning his word through um, individual time, but also through connecting with other people. And these groups that we've had this year have been just a great way for us to connect to God in small groups, um, learning the truths of the Bible. And they've been very beneficial to make those binds between each other stronger, those ties in such a warm, informal way. Um, and what I've noticed as I've done the connect groups this year, as I've gone to Sunday school, I've noticed that the interaction in Sunday school is deeper and that I'm learning more in more places and that God is showing me, hey, you heard this. You talked about this on Wednesday night, and then it's being reinforced in a, a deeper layer in Sunday school. And then worship is more um, awesome and magnificent, understanding the who of God because he wants us to connect the object of his connecting is to connect with him vertically and then to connect through him horizontally and diagonally to everyone in our world. So I'm just inviting you to come and participate in the connect groups and see how God will just increase your growth and your bond with him and with fellow believers. Thank you. I hope you're ready to worship God. Yes? Yes, good. Will you take your hymnals out and turn to page 491? We are going to do a new chorus this morning for a few weeks. It's called Shine, Jesus, Shine. And the reason I had you get your hymnals out is we're not actually singing on page 491 today. I want you to look across the page and find where it says chorus. Everybody got that? Okay. Now, while Dwight's playing... Um, is just going to sing it softly while you meet and greet for those of you who don't know it and then I'll start you in 
after a few minutes. So you've got to kind of, I don't know, can you do two things like listen to the choir and meet and greet? Let's try it. Go. Meet and greet. We'll sing softly. Ephesians chapter 4, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, of who? is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, for the unity in which you have called us to, to the truth that we are to love one another in the name of Jesus. And in doing so, we reflect and we shine and we show your light. God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to connect with one another in deep and meaningful ways as we first connect with you. So God, I thank you for the opportunities through the connect groups, through the Sunday school times, through the Bible studies, and through worship 
that we have. God, I pray that we grow deeper in you and we grow deeper in relationship with one another. God, we give you this service. We pray your Holy Spirit dwell and uh, fill this place. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You got it? All right, good. Good morning. We are going to stand up for Jesus, right? Yes. So stand up as we sing. Stand up for Jesus. Hymn number 657. take out the insert from your bulletins for our responsive reading today. It is confession and repentance. I will read the lighter portion and together you'll read the darkened portion. The son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. I know whom I have believed, 
and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Let's stand again and sing hymn number 251, Lead Me to Calvary, hymn 251.
please remain standing for offertory prayer. He has instructed us through his word to be tithers to his kingdom. And he asked us also to give offerings for special missions. So at this time, let us go to him in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the ability to read your word, to understand your word, and to connect. We just ask you to bless the gift and the giver as we partake of the offering this morning. Be with us, guide us, and love us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Shall we pray? Loving Heavenly Father, into your presence we bow once again on this day that you've given to us. Rejoicing in the love you have shown to us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Recognizing, Father, the price that was paid for our sins. We confess who we are before you. Knowing, Father, that if we confess, you will forgive. And we are grateful for redemption. We're thankful, Father, to be in your house on this day. Recognizing, Father, your presence in our life. Asking you to draw near to us. To allow your spirit to move within this room as we listen for you. Help us, Father, to come to terms with the great price that was paid for our forgiveness. We're thankful, Father, for this church, for the ministries and work of this place, for the opportunities to learn and to grow. We're thankful for those who give their time to teach in Sunday school, for those who teach and facilitate the connect groups and all of the other things, Father, that we do in order to grow in discipleship and in our relationship to you. And we pray, Father, for those who are ill, for those who are facing surgery, for those who are recuperating from surgery. We know, Father, that you know who they are. And so we give them to you. And I ask that your will be done in their lives. We pray, Father, for our missionaries, particularly, Father, our missionaries in North America as we emphasize their work in these weeks. We're thankful for their willingness to go and to plant new churches and to start new ministries to connect people to you. We are grateful for their sacrifice. And we pray, Father, for them and their work. We're thankful, Father, for this country and for the freedom that we have to come and to worship in your name. We're thankful that as we gather here on this day, we do so because you have established the church and have called us to be a part of it. Draw near to us. Hear our prayers. It's with thanksgiving that we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Our scripture lesson this morning is found in Matthew chapter 27, verses 3 through 8, as we continue making our way to the cross during this season of Lent. We read these words, Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. But the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury because they are the price of blood. And they consulted together and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Therefore that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Traitor. The very word sends chills down the spine and awakens images of treachery, trickery, and tragedy. There is an aura of horror and unwholesomeness about it. The most, emphasis, most infamous American traitor during the Revolutionary War was Benedict Arnold. Arnold began well. In fact, he received recognition, honors, and promotions. And in 1777, after the Second Battle of Saratoga, Congress voted him a resolution of the nation's thanks and promoted him to Major General. But Arnold also received some disappointments along the way. Then in 1780, while in command of West Point, he worked out a plan to surrender the fort to the British. His plan was discovered when Major John Andre was captured, for Arnold had been sending messages in Andre's boot. Arnold then deserted the British to the British and finished his life with them. But he had betrayed his country. While Benedict Arnold is the most notorious American traitor, Judas Iscariot has to be the most infamous traitor of all time. For he betrayed Jesus Christ into the hands of his enemies. The priest had already decided that Jesus must die. Judas made it possible. He too began well. Something in Judas must have appealed to Jesus, for he gave Judas a position of trust. Why then did Judas betray Jesus? At least three basic answers were given to this question. First, it was because of greed and avarice. Second, it was because of bitter hatred based on disillusionment. And third, it was an attempt to force Jesus to bring in the kingdom of God. The death of Judas is recorded in Matthew alone in the Gospels. Luke tells the story in a somewhat different form in Acts. At each mention, Judas is branded as the betrayer. The church felt so deeply about this betrayal on the part of one who had been so close to Jesus that even to this day, we look at him with disgust. Although Judas committed suicide before Jesus' crucifixion, we certainly see Judas in the crowd 
at the cross. And whenever we think of him, we think of one who trafficked in treachery. The full motive of Judas in betraying Jesus is not known. But that he repented when he saw Jesus condemned gives some support to the theory that his intention had been to create a crisis situation in which Jesus would act positively to seize power in Jerusalem. Therefore, allowing Jesus to become a political Messiah. This was not new. This understanding of Jesus as a political Messiah ran through the disciples all throughout Jesus' earthly ministry. Whenever Jesus found it important to say to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, that he must be tried, and that he must die, they would always find a way to skirt the subject. They would always attempt to look at it from another way. Always trying to dissuade Jesus from doing what he told them he must do. If so, this misguided act of Judas failed. Let's for a few moments give Judas, though, the benefit of the doubt. Suppose he was well-intentioned and simply meant to force Jesus' hand. Suppose he was trafficking in treachery and it went differently than he had planned. We all have the tendency to do the kinds of things that Judas did. We just call them by different names and we work them from different angles. So let's look at three ways that we traffic in treachery. We first traffic in treachery when we misinterpret the kingdom of God. Apparently, Judas tragically misinterpreted the meaning of the kingdom of God. He looked for a national kingdom that would run off the Romans, restore grandeur, and give him personal power. Evidence shows that Judas may have been a zealot. Some find the meaning of the name Iscariot in the Saqqara, a group of dedicated, fanatic loyalists. But that was not the meaning of the kingdom of God. Judas missed the point. And sometimes I believe we miss the point too. The power of the kingdom of God is love. John identified that for us in his epistle, didn't he? God is love. Love is what motivated God to send his son to die for us. Love cannot be understood. It must be experienced. The scene just before Judas' deal with the priest was the one of the woman who anointed Jesus' feet. You remember the story. She showed up at the place where they were and she took out an expensive ointment and she poured it on Jesus' feet. And some translations or some of the Gospels say that it was poured over his head. But for whatever reason, it was an extravagant act. The ointment that was used was quite expensive. And she did this to anoint Jesus for his burial. And Jesus understood the love and the sacrifice that this woman was making on his behalf. But what was Judas's question? Judas has only one question. How much did it cost? He never understood love. He put a price on everything. He found a way to take something as extravagant as this woman had done and 
sorted it out to dollars and cents. Jesus cannot be changed. He must be trusted. Judas wanted to change Jesus. That, however, is the wrong order. Jesus must change us, and he does that when we trust him in faith. So many of us are like Judas, and we don't mean to be. We want to change Jesus to be like us, don't we? We want Jesus to do what we want him to do, behave the way we want him to behave, so that we can do what we want to do and behave the way we want to behave. And Judas got caught in his own trap. The second way we traffic in treachery is when we try to manipulate God's will. A man was sailing many years ago to England from Northern Ireland. He told the story of how it was night and as the ship entered the harbor, nothing was to be seen but a confusing array of lights. The man wondered how the captain could hope to navigate into the harbor safely at night in such a confusing jumble of lights and so he asked him. The captain took, t- captain took him up to the bridge and said, You see, sir, it's really very simple. I'll show you how. Do you see that big light over to the left? And do you see the other big light over to the right of it? And now do you see that outstanding light farther still this way? Well, now keep your eyes on those three big lights and see what happens. As the man watched, the big outer light on the left gradually moved in until it coincided with the middle one. Then as the ship turned, the light gradually merged into the third. There now, said the captain, all I have to do is to see that those three big lights become one and then I go straight forward. The point is that we also have three lights to guide us into the will of God. When scripture and conscience are lined up with outward circumstances so that the three become one, we need have no fear. We may go straight ahead. God's will is clear. You see, Judas tried to manipulate God's will. He wanted things done and he wanted Jesus to do them. But he wanted Jesus to do things his way not God's way. And that is another problem that we face in our lives as well, isn't it? We want things our way, not God's way all the time. And Judas was no different. For instance, the cross was God's will. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without shedding of blood is no remission. But Judas wanted another way. Judas wanted to bring in the kingdom of God by doing what he did in order to manipulate Jesus into taking up arms against the Romans. How often we try to chart our own way, whether witnessing, praying, or serving God. We try to do it our own way rather than God's way. And any time we do that and get ahead of God, we lose our way. A popular television commercial several years ago had a woman proclaiming in anger to her mother, Please, mother, I would rather do it myself. How often have we expressed that to God? I'd just rather do it myself. How many of you have had a parent growing up and you got involved in something that you were trying to help them with and they shooed you out of the way and said, You know what? I'd rather do it myself. Well, that's exactly what's going on here. Judas would rather do it himself than allow the will of God to play out in the way that it was supposed to be. 
Jesus had told them time and time again that he must go to Jerusalem and that he must suffer and that he must die. And yet Judas wanted another way. It is interesting that the first thing Jesus told the disciples to do between the resurrection and Pentecost was nothing. He told them to wait. That must have seemed strange to them, but it was God's way. They waited and they received the power of the Holy Spirit for their ministry. This often comes about when we have lost our glory, our vision of what God is about and what we are to do. Archibald Rutless once asked an engineer on a southern riverboat how he kept everything in such perfect working order and so immaculately clean. As he laid down a Bible he had been quietly reading, the engineer explained, I've got the glory. Where you're, when you lose your willingness to follow God, when you lose your glory, when you try to manipulate the will of God by pushing the promises of God, you want to bring about the desired results rather than letting God work them out in your life. We must get the glory from God. One of the primary examples of this is Abraham taking Sarah's maid, Hagar, to produce a son when God's promise of a family had apparently not been fulfilled. Rather than waiting on God's promise, Abraham pushed the promise and Ishmael was born. But trouble followed. You see, what we fail to recognize so often in our impatience when God doesn't act in the time and the way we expect Him to act is God is different than us. God is eternal. God said very clearly that He was the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So He is everything in between. So God's time is not our time. And sometimes we try to manipulate God into our time. And when we do, we are frustrated because we are not in God's will. The third thing, we traffic in treachery when we misapply repentance. The final scene in Judas' life is horrible. He repented of his sin, but he waited too long. He tried to make right his wrong by returning the money, but he waited until it was too late. He had betrayed the only one who could forgive him, so in remorse, he hanged himself. Repented is not the term normally used for repentance in the New Testament. And remorse may be a better translation as we see in the New King James Version. Judas did not experience the repentance of conversion. He knew only frustration and a sense of guilt leading to suicide. He had sinned against Jesus and betrayed innocent blood. Charles Griffin described a 17th century fresco portraying Judas, which he saw in a church in Bucharest, Hungary. There we see the ugly, giant figure of Satan sitting on some hot stones in Hades, holding the doll-like person of Judas along with the infamous bag of bribe money. And Judas is weeping in remorse. This tells us at least two terrible things about sin. First, it is impossible to turn back the clock. We cannot undo what has been done no matter how sorry we are about having done it. The harm has already been done. The character has been set. The trust has been broken. The act has been committed. The heart has been hardened to that extent. This truth was best expressed poetically. The moving finger writes and having writ moves on nor all your pity nor wit. Sure lure it back to cancel half a line nor all your tears wash out, wash out a word of it.
you can come to hate the very thing that was gained by sin. Judas hated the money that was gained by his betrayal. He got his way and was even paid for his trouble. But he hated it. And he hated himself as well. The chief priest and the elders show up in this tragedy even worse than Judas. Their indifference to Judas comes out in the callous question. What is that to us? They had used him. Judas flung the silver into the temple, apparently expressing his resentment against the religious leaders who had used him and also in an effort to free himself of some of his guilt. The religious leader's only concern was for the meticulous observation of the ceremonial law. They were willing to shed blood but could not accept blood money into the temple treasury. So they used it to buy a field for the burial of the stranger. But Judas' story is not an isolated case. This is not an isolated case out of life or in literature. In Shakespeare's play Macbeth. Macbeth murdered Duncan the king. Macbeth got his heart's desire, but it did not make him a peaceful person. In accomplishing what he had set out to do, all that made life beautiful departed from him. He soon could not sleep and life became unbearable. It was said that Macbeth hath murdered sleep. It's important for us to see what Judas did. It's also important for us to see that even with Judas's betrayal, it worked out in the plan of God, didn't it? It reminds me of the verse in Romans, as tragic as this situation was in the life of Judas, we know that Paul said all things work together for good to them who love the Lord, to them who are called according to His purpose. Certainly Jesus was called. And Judas wanted him to go another way. It was a bitter pill to swallow, to think that the one that they had followed for almost three years would be crucified and die when they thought there was a way that it could be prevented. There was a way that Jesus could step up and be the Messiah that he was called to be in terms of the way they thought he was called. On Friday, I made a trip to take my taxes to my accountant in Madison Heights. I've had the same accountant since the children were small and so I continue to use her because all I have to do is just take my updated stuff and give it to her and I don't have to sit there and go through social security numbers and birth dates and all the kind of things that you need to do when you're doing your taxes. So I've taken them back to Cheryl and I don't have to go back and get them. Then we start faxing everything. But I take them to her to get them done. Well, when I go that way, I always have a longing to go towards home. And so I made my way on up the road to Natural Bridge and went to the cemetery. But before I got to the cemetery, I drove down the little road where we used to live and I ran into one of my uh, oldest friends. We grew up together. So I passed him in the truck. He was going down to the farm to work on something. So I turned around and went back to talk to him and asked him. He and his wife and his uncle were there. And I asked him, what, what's going on? He said, well, we had a cow die. She had given birth to a calf, and she got down, and uh, she smothered. And so they had taken uh, part of the fence down to get the cow out, and they were going to put a gate back up, so they were working on the gate. And I said, well, where's the calf? I said, well, the calf's up there on the hill, and you could see him up there. And I said, well, I bet he's hungry. She said, 
We've tried to feed him, but he's not taking the bottle yet. I said, well, I bet if he gets hungry enough, he will. He'll take the bottle. You see, the calf was so young and had just lost his mother that he didn't know what to do. He didn't know that what they were trying to do was to help him, to give him the nourishment that he needed to grow. And I said, well, what are you going to do with him? She said, we'll put him in a crate and we'll take him home and we'll work with him and he'll be okay. Well, you see, that's the way it is with us so many times and that's the way it is with Judas God cares for us beyond our understanding of what care is. And He does for us those things that we don't even know we need to have done for ourselves. Because the scripture tells us that in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Judas tried to, tried to do something that was not in the will of God, and it cost him dearly. You can apply repentance properly. You can come to this same Christ in faith. Even when you have trafficked in treachery, you can live in faith and trust because Christ forgives. Judas is a tragic story, isn't he? A story that we would hate to see repeated in someone else's life because they betrayed the very one who could bring to them what they need most, and that is salvation. As we make our way to the cross through this Lenten season, let us always be reminded of the story of Judas. And let us not be like Judas and get in the way of what God's will is for our lives and for the life of His church. Shall we pray? Father, we are grateful that we can look at this story and we can learn from it. We can learn from it, Father, in a way that shows us a better way. A way, Father, that is steeped in your will for our lives. Help us, Father, to look at this story of Judas and give thanks that we have seen the great price paid for rejecting your will and your love for us. Help us, Father, to look to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our invitation hymn is number 536. Lord, I want to be a Christian. If we truly want to be a Christian, then we are willing to follow the Lord's will. We are willing to do what is required of us because of what He has done for us. The invitation is open to anyone who would accept Jesus as Savior, to anyone who would commit themselves to Him. Will you stand as we sing?
thank you for being a part of this service today. I believe everybody got their clocks at Ford. I didn't see anybody coming in late um, or on time if they thought they were coming to Sunday school, right? So <coughs> anyway, uh, don't forget about the announcements about the Connect groups. I hope that some of you will commit to coming and being a part of those groups. A lot of effort goes into picking these studies and preparing them. Uh, for you, and I hope that you will come and take advantage of that on Sunday evening, I mean Wednesday evening, excuse me, at 6 o'clock. Um, we also serve dinner here. All you have to do is come, uh, call, let us know you're coming so we make sure we have enough potatoes in the pot um, or whatever we're having. So uh, sloppy joes this week, yeah. Uh, so make sure we have enough sloppies in the pot, right? So uh, anyway, I hope you will come and take advantage of that uh, as we um, begin these new studies. And if you can't come to everyone, commit to coming to the first one and then come when you can if you can't come to all of them. But I think it, once you come, you'll be hooked and you'll want to come back. So hope you will do that. We also have prayer meeting for those who are not involved in those in here on Wednesday evenings as well. So hope you will come. It seems like we may dodge the snow. That may be famous last words, but uh, I, hope so. I hope so anyway. It seems like it's going to be west of us. Uh, tonight, uh, the biggest part of it anyway. So be careful, and I look forward to seeing you the next time we're together. We've got three weeks till Easter. Can you believe that? Three weeks. We've got uh, next week, we'll just have a, a regular service. Um, I'll be preaching. Then the following week on Palm Sunday, John Hare will be preaching. And then on April 1st, we will celebrate Easter together in the 830, and then again in 11 o'clock services with Sunday school in between. So let's bow for a benediction. Gracious and eternal God, as we leave today, keep us ever mindful of the great price that was paid for our sins. Knowing, Father, that as we leave here, we do so with the full assurance that we have been saved by the shed blood of Jesus Christ and through his resurrection. As we continue to make our way, Father, toward Easter Sunday, through this season of Lent, let us always be mindful of the cross and the power of the cross to redeem us now and forevermore. Be with us, Father, as we depart. In the name of Jesus, amen.